Greetings, friends and family. It is the weekend of Sunday, September the 20th. I hope that this finds you and yours doing well. You know, we went through the book of Ephesians over the last six to seven weeks or so, and so, and today we're going to begin looking at Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, the book of Philippians, another one of Paul's epistles. You know, Paul planted the church at Philippi during his second missionary journey sometime around the year of 51 AD, and it was in response to his Macedonian vision, which is laid out for us in the book of Acts chapter 16, verses 9 through 10. This was actually the first church in Europe. And of the four uh, prison epistles, Paul likely wrote Philippians last, near the end of his Roman imprisonment, sometime around 61 or 62 AD. Paul sent the other three prison epistles, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon, by the hand of Tychicus, as their destinations were, were close to one another. But however, the letter to the Philippians was to be delivered by Epaphroditus, who had come to Paul in Rome with financial help from the church at Philippi. And, and the text of this letter from Paul suggests several characteristics of the church at Philippi. First of all, that Gentiles predominated the church. Few, few Jews lived in Philippi, and, and apparently the church had few. Secondly, um, women had a significant role, and, and this is played out again in Acts chapter 16, 11 through 15, and Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And, and then thirdly, the church was was very generous, and 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 fourthly, they they remained incredibly deeply loyal to Paul. So in his epistle to the Philippians, Paul alludes to military and political structures as metaphors for the church. Paul wanted to thank the church for their financial support. Chapter four, ten through twenty. He he also addressed disunity and the threat of heresy. Disunity threatened the church, spawned by personal conflicts uh, and, and disagreements over theology. And, and the heresy came from radical Jewish teachers. And Paul addressed both issues personally and incredibly warmly. So listen as we jump into the book of Philippians. Today we're reading chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy's servants of Christ to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day and until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have had you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of, of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let me pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. We seem to always stand at the threshold of opportunities. Great opportunities, no doubt. 
lie ahead. Great challenges, no doubt, confront us and lie ahead. All of this and, and everything in between. But in the scripture today, we read Paul's letter to the Philippians while written while he was in prison. And yet even there, he, he's still praying for his brothers and his sisters and is still expecting. He's expecting spiritual growth, not worldly advancement in his absence, but spiritual growth. So perhaps the text this morning can guide us as we begin to, to embrace the newness of the fall as the, as the temperatures start to cool a bit and, and, and sort of the, the time and the leaves remind us of that yearly pattern. So we can embrace the newness of it and, and to be sure this is going to be a fall like, like we've never experienced. But first of all, we need to thank God. We need to thank the Lord for our experiences in the past. Verses 3 through 5 of chapter 1. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. You see, Paul keeps Philippi in prayer, rejoicing in the fact that they received the good news of Jesus Christ and that they continue to live in it. He, he invested himself in their lives by sharing Christ with them, but he didn't stop there. Paul continues to pray for them with joy. He's remembered them and he's thanked the Lord for them in his prayers. He thanks the Lord for what they did and their progress in the gospel of the past. So let's thank the Lord for our past. Because you see, both the negatives and the positives are God working himself for his glory in our lives and for our benefit. So let's thank the Lord for where we have seen him move and the lives of our friends and family and the lives of our neighbors and our co-workers. Let's move the focus from myself to others. C.S. Lewis says that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about myself we are special beings and that God has given us the ability to remember our memory may be our friend or our enemy negative things or positive and so often maybe you're like me but so often I focus so much on my past or or maybe my future that I miss the present I miss the moment I live life like the Israelites in the book of Deuteronomy. And yet the Lord is whispering, don't live with your past like the Israelites. Israelites were crippled by their past experiences. They find themselves not wanting to enter the promised land of God's provision and blessing because of failures that they experienced in the past. So they camp at Mount Sinai for a really long time, 40 years. That's how long they camped out. Normally, it takes about 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kardash Barnea. Kardash Barnea is the threshold of promise. It's right there. Like I said at the very beginning, we stand often at the threshold of opportunity. It was the desert entry point to the promised land. It was the place from where they sent the 12 spies to spy out the land, but, but they did not pursue God's directives. They were disobedient, and instead they remain in place, crippled by the past. Here, here's the text from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the wilderness east of the Jordan, that is, 
and the Arabah, opposite Suf between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hezeroth, and Dizahab. It takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kardesh Barnea by the Mount Seir Road. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. This was after he had defeated Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, and at Edril had defeated Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth. Did you, did you catch that little gap there? Verse 2 reads like this. It takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kardesh Barnea by the Mount Seir Road. Verse 3, there's this big gap that we, you have to really pay attention to between verse 2 and verse 3. In verse 3, in the 40th year, <laughs> Theodore Roosevelt said, the only man who never makes a mistake is the man who never does anything. We all make mistakes. You see, living in the past can cripple us and hold us in bondage. It can keep us from making an 11-day journey for 40 years. But one day, God said to them, move on. And picking up the story in verse 5, east of the Jordan, the territory of Moab, Moses began to expound this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, and the Negev, and along the coast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as as far as the great river, the Euphrates. You have stayed long enough. Success is the ability to move from one failure on to the next, Winston Churchill said. And John R. Rice said, no matter what you did in the past, your future is clean. Because a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, Proverbs 24, 16 says. Not clean in our own doing, not clean because we clean ourselves up and buy a new set of clothes and put on some cologne. No, clean from the inside out because Jesus washes us white as snow. The gift of salvation because of Christ. For Paul, it is about forgetting the past and straining toward the future. Perhaps the Lord wants to work in us a moving on. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, I forget about what lies behind and reaching forward to those things which, is, which are ahead. And in Proverbs 28, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. So do we say, do I say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for the past. And now let's move on. You see, our challenge today, I think, culturally, and I'm talking big time culture. I'm talking world culture, to be honest with you, but certainly um, certainly the church culture, certainly um, the, the, the culture of where we live, and, and certainly to be an American, our challenge today is to consider the past and to thank God for the experience and to realize when the Lord is moving us on. Not a return to the past, but something better in the future. So I need to thank the Lord for my past and for giving me another challenge in the present and the future to come. And sometimes my thankfulness is that the past is just that, that it's the past, (coughs) that it's gone. Secondly, we need to expect God to bring us the best thing in the present, in the here and now. 
picking up again with Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent. Paul makes an appeal to the Lord that the church's love will flourish in the heart and in the life of one another, that it'll, it'll grow. He prays that, that they might be set free to love others freely. He prays that love will continue to grow, to flourish, to blossom. Just as Paul was in prison, yet continually being blessed, God wants to bless us. Even in the midst of our trials, God is always able to bless. In the midst of a global pandemic, God is able to bless. John 10.10, 10, I have come to give you life super abundantly. God is able to do super abundantly, far over and above all that we dared ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, dreams. That's Ephesians 3.20 in the Amplified Version. So instead then of me holding on to the past and grabbing on and having a posture of anger and a posture of fear and a posture of certainty, let's expect God to bring us the best things in our lives, not the good things, not the things we think we need or even want or want that we think we need, but what is simply the best. Because God is going to give us the best. The law of expectation says that basically we get what we expect out of life. We tend to see what we expect to see. We tend to feel what we expect to feel. We tend to act the way we expect to act. And eventually we tend to achieve what we expect to achieve. But according to our faith, it will be done to us. So let's be expectant then for the Lord to bring the best in our lives. You see, I want to be alert. I want to be attentive and expectant to see. I want to be expectant to grasp and take hold of those things that the Lord has for me right now, right now in the moment. I want to be in the present. I want to play present. So many coaches tell their athletes, no matter the sport, play present. I tell my kids all the time with athletics, you know, short memory, short memory, meaning forget that mistake so that you don't make three more. I want to be in the present. I live so much of my life in the past or in the future. I live so much of my life either celebrating or bemoaning the things of the past or so much of looking forward to something in the distant future. But I want to be right here, right now. And if I can do that, if we can do that, then the third part of Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11 becomes much, much, much easier. And that is thirdly, to entrust the Lord our lives in the future. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus, verse 6, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, verse 10 of chapter 1. Paul prays to the Lord for the future of the believers in Philippi. Since he, Paul, can do nothing because of his imprisonment, he trusts and entrusts everything at the hands of the Lord. After all, he can do nothing except to trust God. You will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's according to Zechariah 4, chapter 6. Paul faces the future and imprisonment and all that awaits him because he knows that God will ultimately deliver him. Paul looks forward to what lies ahead. He is confident, confident that what God starts, he finishes. The situation is bad. The experience is negative. Bad things are bad things. I'm not suggesting, nor do I think it's anywhere close to healthy to sugarcoat it with Christianese sentimentality. Let's be real. Let's be honest. But 
God, two of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. God finishes what he starts, and the good work started in us will be carried out to completion. We said last week, there's so many of us that are angry, and underneath anger is the emotion fear. What are we afraid of? As Christians, as followers of Christ, we should be the least fearful people we know. Psalm 37 Verses 4 through 5 in the old King James reads, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So then here we are. It's our collective prayers. Let's, let's thank the Lord for our experiences in the past and for what we have seen him doing in and through others. Let's expect the Lord to bring the best thing to the present and let's live there in, in that moment and in that blessing and let's entrust to the Lord our lives in the future. I want to read in closing and as a benediction in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout our generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And go in peace.